You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. We are back in the country, folks, and I just want to say thank you to all of you that have been keeping us in prayer. I'm excited to be back, and man, have I been busy since I got back. It's been pretty much Nonstop work around the clock. Um, anytime I take some time off, my goodness, it uh, just kind of piles on. But for those of you that don't know, I was enjoying my wedding to my amazing, gorgeous, beautiful wife in Bali, uh, halfway around the world, and then enjoying a honeymoon afterwards. God had definitely blessed. We had an amazing, amazing time. And I am really excited about all the things that God has for us coming up right now. We're engaged in a few things. Uh, We are gearing up to be doing monthly meetings locally, regional meetings um, in the Dallas area starting early next year, probably January. And so I am really excited about that that agenda that we have. And I know that's an assignment from God. And for our community in Dallas, I'm really excited that we're going to be able to have uh, more regular and official meeting times and uh, with an agenda and a purpose. And, you know, folks, the Mantle on Bride Ministries is uh, really large. And, you know, while we are a growing ministry, uh, we we definitely have vision and we always had vision for huge, huge, huge impact. And, you know, we're just walking it out one step at a time. I am also very excited that, you know, uh, we are continuing to lay down the foundation for the uh, DID coaching school and and at this point I actually have a basic idea of how I'm going to approach building it which I'm very excited about praise God so I just want to give you that little update uh, we do plan to have something uh, hopefully put together regarding that by the end of first quarter 2018 I want to say thank you to all of you that continue to support us financially and to those of you that are now jumping on board, I've had quite a number of people come to me more recently say, you know, the Lord really put it on our hearts to begin supporting Bride Ministries. And I, thank you. <laughs> Praise God for your obedience. Praise God for your blessing. I I want you guys to know that I pray for all of you that do financially support us. You know, you are pushing this thing forward and allowing us to step into what we need to step into. Um and I, uh, I want to say, you know, if you have considered giving to us and haven't gotten on board with that yet, it is as easy as going to bridemovement.com and clicking a simple button that says donate. The Bible says that as we give, it will be given unto us, pressed down, shaking together and running over what God caused men to give into our bosom. The truth is that giving is a component of heavenly culture. Just like honor and sacrifice and forgiveness. Uh, giving is a component of heavenly culture. And if you think, oh, yeah, I am, you know, uh, manifesting a representation of the kingdom of God to those surrounding me and in my life, and you're not giving, uh, you're falling short in that area. That You're actually not uh, demonstrating the priorities and principles of God's kingdom. And that doesn't mean that you have to give to us. I'm just saying the the culture of heaven is a culture of giving and uh we definitely appreciate those of you that have given to us and continue to do so and and by the way there'll be uh well uh benefits for giving to us that we are going to begin uh opening up in the near future and uh, you'll be hearing more about that i am very excited that uh we are going to be launching groups again through the fireplace church now if you are not actually attending the fireplace church then that won't mean anything to you. But for those of you that have been attending the Fireplace Church, we are keeping track of attendance. You will be having uh, the opportunity to join groups that meet throughout the week um, to continue in fellowship with us. So we're really excited about that. With that said, we're going to get right into the program. Bless you in the name of Jesus. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Folks, today we're going to be talking about 
coaching for coping with SRA, that is satanic ritual abuse, and dissociative identity disorder, part three. And at Bride Ministries, what you have to understand, guys, is we spend a lot of time ministering to individuals that are overcoming a background of satanic ritual abuse uh, and to many people that have dissociative identity disorder for various reasons, whether from satanic ritual abuse or other traumas that have gone far enough to yield this condition. And, um, you know, when when this is a person's situation, life is more challenging than it is for a person that is not uh, coping with these challenges. And, um, you know, we get a lot of questions because we've opened up the dialogue on these subjects, guys. We've opened it up and we've said, hey, we're going to dare to reach down in, in into this ministry field, get our hands dirty, and do the work. And uh, and what we've seen is that a lot of lives have been blessed. And 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 the people that we least expect um, are the ones coming forward saying, you know, my life is being changed because this is my problem. And the number of questions we get along the lines of how do I cope with my SRA and DID are, are extensive and. It's just not possible to address each and every question individually, but I do like to do these podcasts um, now that I've started doing them and uh, and just take time to address some common things, some, some things that we see showing up repeatedly um, to, to give some public statements as to how to deal or cope with SRA and, and DID. And today we're going to start off our conversation because I don't have a guest, <laughs> on, on on something I call teamwork. And, I, and I'm not the one that calls it teamwork. Anybody that um, is w- working with survivors that learns about this would call it the same thing. And I actually learned about this idea, this concept from Dr. Preston Bailey. And when I first started um, imagining what ministry should look like for a person that's dissociated, my initial concept was you just shotgun the healing and you, 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 you go after that brokenness with an iron fist and you get people to integrate as fast as possible so they can be whole, just like Jesus created them to be. And that must be the best way to do things. Um, it's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say right off the bat, it's not. It, it Actually, the idea that you can shotgun a person's healing that has been through the worst kind of pain is frivolous. It, it, it's silly. And, and second of all, it, when you begin to understand how dissociation helps a person navigate life, from that place of brokenness, you realize that you are actually doing an individual a disservice by trying to get all of their parts to integrate right off the bat as soon as you meet them. And let me let me give some examples so that I can better explain this this uh, way of thinking that is extremely accurate and helpful not only for the coach but for the person being helped. Okay, so first of all. Let's talk about fragmentation. Now, if you're new to this conversation, uh, we run into three, or I run into what I would call three major types of fragments. I run into soul fragments. And of course, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, uh, May the God of all peace sanctify you holy. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, your whole spirit, soul, and body. If you can have a whole spirit, soul, and body, guess what you can have? You can have a piece of a spirit, soul, and body. And every part of our design can actually be shattered. You can shatter the physical body with sharp objects or grenades, things of this nature. Um, a person, yes, they can have their, uh, and excuse the graphic nature of this comment, but a, a body part blown off in war or you know during some kind of battle. Um, so, so you can have part of a body and, and that's why there are healing miracles that demonstrate the power of God and the desire of God, the will of God for our bodies. You know, body parts can be regenerated 
through miracles um and and corrections can be made new organs can be given the bible says that by the stripes of jesus we were healed the bible talks about the gifts of healings and the working of miracles as gifts of the holy spirit so what what i'm saying is look you, you can have a piece of the body or you can have a whole body um praise god if you have a whole body but it doesn't just stop with that because we're also talking about soul and spirit. May the God of all peace sanctify you wholly, wholly, whole. And, and um, you know, when you're talking about the uh, inner healing that's necessary, we find that not only can the soul be fractured or fragmented, and, and, and that means dissociated, um, but you can also have spirit parts that are fragmented. And then you can have parts that are a combination of both soul and spirit. So there's your three categories. And this is something I deal with regularly. Um, I'm dealing with soul fragments. I'm dealing with fragments of the human spirit. And I'm dealing with fragments that are both human soul and human spirit combined. And uh, kind of, uh, they, they are all, it's all together. There are unique components to these different categories of of uh, broken parts that you would find, but when you're dealing with parts and altars, these are the basic types of altars that I'm running into, and so it's all biblical. Uh, the idea of dissociation. This is a protective mechanism. It's a way that God has given people to survive uh, very traumatic things as as they endure or navigate this life in the earth. So. When we are beginning to meet some of these parts of a person, soul parts, spirit parts, combo parts, um, you know, like I was saying, my novice approach would have been to say, yeah, you just integrate everything as fast as possible. Thank God for wisdom um, early on coming to me. And and it really grinded me. It made me feel kind of a, a, a different kind of way when I first uh, had that communicated to me and I just listened but I'm thinking but if Jesus created us to be whole then why would we endorse the reception of parts of a person that are not supposed to be parts and, and the answer is because well that person isn't fully healed yet and 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 think about it like this from a physical perspective right um, let's say a person goes through a a uh, very traumatic injury that um, hurts a nerve in their spine, causes their legs to not work. And they, they can't feel their legs, right? And then you go and you do surgery and you repair the nerve. And, and now the person can begin to feel their legs again, whatever. But there there is um, a need for them to go through physical therapy so that they can walk again over a period of months or years. And so... Do you go to the person that's laying in the bed that's needing physical therapy and say, okay, God created you whole. We gave you a surgery. Now get up and walk out of this hospital. Now praise God if you have a true miracle manifesting. Like they they may be able to stand up and just walk like the cripple stood up and and went walking and leaping and praising God when, uh, you know, Peter told him silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ stand up and walk right there's there's a miracle but then there's also a recovery right and apart from the absolute miracle you you do have a recovery that can be um, applied to an individual where you give them a crutch you give them physical therapy you give them time you you know and and over a period of work um and and application and uh, a, a, a bona fide program what that person is able to do is is strengthen their body to the point that after so many months have gone by years they don't need the crutch anymore but to get to that place they have to use the crutch and they have to go through the physical therapy and they have to you see what i'm saying okay now, 
no medical professional in their right mind is going to tell uh, you coming up that's going to be a doctor. Yeah, don't worry about physical therapy component of the healing journey. Just tell people they're supposed to stand up and walk and like every time. You know, th- that, that doesn't make any sense. That's actually a lack of wisdom because for the one person it does work that way, it does work out that way for, there's going to be 99 others. That's not the way God's doing things. And it's the same thing with inner healing to a extent where people have parts that they have learned to lean on, parts that are very important if that person is going to navigate life. And if a, a, a person just goes in and begins to integrate every kind of part they find, they may be um, integrating parts that know how to pay the bills or parts that know how to um, take care of the baby or parts that know how to and and if all of these parts are getting integrated outside of um a a a a, a process outside of a journey um it can leave a person in a state of distress it can actually leave a person incapacitated no longer able to navigate life um, I, I remember one case where somebody uh, had uh, gone through a ministry session and they, they, they were an Illuminati survivor uh, and, 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 and they had worked with someone who had essentially integrated every adult they could find in a ministry session and, or, or tried to. And what wound up happening was that all of the adults that were within that person's system that watched over all of the little children in that person's system ended up getting either integrated or locked down. And then there were all of these children and they had like a school building inside of them or something. And so there's all of these children. Now they had no adults on the inside to look out for them. And so all of the little children began to get very scared and freak out and cry. And so you have this individual that's trying to suddenly cope with life where they've had some integration happening, but now they have a whole bunch of parts on the inside that don't know how to manage with the absence of the parts of that person that were on the inside managing them. This is a true, true story. And the, the, the whole system implodes. And the person actually ends up in a worst case scenario. Um, and and, and uh, this all happened and, and it was recounted to me prior to me meeting this individual. But, uh, you know, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that shotgunning the uh, healing journey is not wise trying to just integrate everything and every person that you you might meet in an individual that's associated as soon as you meet them is is not wise um in another case i i i I found that you know a person had been through some ministry and they in an attempt to please their coach or counselor they they um were just putting their parts that were supposed to be integrating to sleep. And um, a lot of parts that were very good at different components of life and living life went to sleep over time as they were working with this person trying to please them and integrate and without any integration actually happening because certain core root issues hadn't been dealt with to allow for integration to begin to take place. Um, and so what, what happened was a whole series of people that were actually very necessary for living life were, were going to sleep and the person was finding themselves with less and less resources for coping with life, less and less individuals on the inside or parts of themselves to lean on when things got tough. And at the end of the day, what I'm here to tell you is that there's a better way to, to go and help an individual to navigate a healing journey, and it's called teamwork. Does this mean that we don't integrate parts? 
Absolutely not. We absolutely integrate parts. But we do it with Jesus as a component of a healing journey that is more focused on the well-being of the individual and less focused on the number of parts we can get integrated at any one time. Let me say that again. Integration happens as we do it with Jesus along a journey that's more focused on the well-being of the individual and less focused on the number of parts we can get integrated at any one time. And on the journey to integration, teamwork is actually the better strategy. And this is something that I've learned to do. Dr. Bailey has been doing it for years. And um, it, it involves training a person to learn who their parts are and to work more effectively with the parts that they have that are either redeemed or in a process of redemption that have various skill sets that will benefit the person's life. Um, you know, for instance, you may have an individual that's um, always, like you know, they're beginning to have lots of meltdowns because they're starting to get memories back and, and they go into panic and they go into fear and whatever. And um, it, it's, it's like all the time and, and they're very scattered. Okay, if a person arrives to me in this situation, one of the things that I want to do is identify, well, who's responsible for being scattered, you know? Who's responsible for carrying fear and and anxiety? And so if I meet a part that that is, you know, always coming to the surface that has all of this fear and anxiety, what I want to do is I want to work with that part to get them delivered and if it's impossible to get them delivered or to get them to be in agreement with jesus christ which does happen you know you may have a survivor whose presenter is totally sold out to jesus who has a warlock part who has no desire to do anything with jesus and so you know sometimes what we have to do with parts like that we don't integrate them no we, we may have to put them on lockdown or, or put them in some way in the presence of jesus christ and leave them there for a while and, and come back to that part over and over and over again as we're ministering the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ um, and, and compassion and humanity to them. And, uh, but um, at the same time, what I want to do is I want to get that result and help the person to understand well, where, the, where is the fear and anxiety and confusion coming from what part of them is bringing that once that's understood it, there, there can be a ministry to that that helps them to not be overtaken by that uh, unexpectedly if you identify the part then you can identify the things that trigger that part and you can help a person to um, avoid those triggers to prevent that part from coming up uh, as much as possible until it's healed in the meantime I'm going to be helping an individual to find the parts of them that are brave, that are good at keeping track of the day, that are good at paying the bills, that are good at washing the dishes, getting the laundry done, so on and so forth. And as I find those parts, I want to introduce them to the presenter and say, hey, presenter guy, um, maybe the presenter's name is uh, Joe. Um, I would say you have, you know, a couple of parts here. You have a part named Martha, and she's really good at doing laundry. And she's also really good at paying your bills. So, you know, Martha, you have to accept Martha, and you have to love Martha. And by the way, you have to give Martha some room to pay your bills and do your laundry so that this part of your life can stop being complete chaos and can start becoming um, managed. And... You know, that's that's the, the the part of navigating a journey of of dissociation with an individual that's that requires a different type of thinking. If I if if I have Joe and, and maybe he has a part named Randy that's very, very um anxious, very fearful, very whatever, and I'm gonna work with Randy to get Randy delivered, but I'm going to work with Martha to get that part coming to the surface more often to 
help Joe navigate life while Randy is getting ministered to and, you know, maybe locked down for a season of time, but um, out of the way so that the, the life becomes more manageable. You know, I, what I'm focused on is I'm focused on the well-being of the individual more than I am. How many parts can I get integrated all at once? Can I figure out a way to integrate Martha and Randy as soon as I meet them? That's not the, what I'm asking. My, my question is, Lord God, what is the most effective way that this person is going to be able to live life? And um, so, so, the teamwork comes in when Joe and Martha begin to reconcile and Joe recognizes the value that Martha has to his life. She may have been there all that time, but he never understood that when he was actually in a season where bills were getting effectively paid and uh, <laughs> clothes were being effectively washed, it's because Martha had enough room to come to the surface regularly and do that for him. That's what we learn. And so we become intentional about um, leaning on the different parts. That, that's, what I, that, that's how I help individuals. I say, you know, you, you can lean on your different parts for different things. You know, many people have what are known as protectors. There are parts that are very, very much... Um, there to make sure the individual survives, that they don't die, that they um, are able to keep going, that that protect them from evil people and from threats, whatever. I, I don't ever try to integrate protectors as soon as I meet them because th these parts of a person are very, very essential to holding things together within the system. Um instead what I want to do is I want to make the protector my friend and I want to teach the person to you know let their protectors talk to me as their coach and the one that's trying to bring healing to their system and and to allow the protectors to be an integral part of their healing journey um, it's a very very effective way of going about healing because oftentimes what I've learned is that protectors know more about the person than their presenters do so we're talking about teamwork. We're talking about helping a person to acknowledge and embrace their parts and learning to live life with the skill sets that their parts may have. One of the things that we've learned, in the, or I've learned, you know, in the process of doing this is that there is an, um, an, a, a hyper expression of capacity that exists within broken parts of a person that gets dampened out after integration. In other words, let's say a person is very, very, very good with numbers and they have a part that is very, very good at math and, and they, they, they can just, you know, chuck out algorithms and plug in numbers here and there. It is like, you know, they have a, they're like a human calculator. They're so smart. Um, if I take that fragmented part that's really really good with numbers like that and um, integrate it into the core person uh, and, and that, that inner healing is ministered the core person will not have the same capacity to work with numbers that their dissociated part does the, because in the dissociated humanity the capacity for excellence or whatever that skill set is is hyper expressed it's very, very fascinating. So um, with certain skill sets and abilities, sometimes you, you don't want to integrate those, um, at, at least uh, not, not early on in the journey. Uh, you want to teach a person to, you know, have the right parts engaged in life at the right times, you know, and... Um, you know, the, the break in the power of confusion means that you don't have the, um, you know, the, 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 the business part out when the person needs to watch the baby. Uh, you want the, 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 the mommy part or the daddy part out when the person needs to watch the baby and the business part out when the person needs to do business. And so what you want to help the person to recognize is, who's responsible for what, who's got what skill sets, and to teach them how to trust and rely on their parts to, to navigate the different parts of life so that they can live the most effective life 
possible as they go through a healing journey and as they move towards wholeness. Um, one of the ways to break the power of dissociation and confusion between the presenter and the person's parts is to follow a similar process to what I introduced in the last coaching for coping with SRA and DID program. I, I said, look, when you're meeting parts, what you want to do is you want to tell them, hey, new part that I'm meeting, I love you, I accept you, and I want to thank you for what you've done for me. Um, you can also tell that part, I honor you, uh, give that part a hug, ask that part what you want them, to, what they want you to know. But um, after, after that has been expressed, that they're loved, that they're accepted, that, they're, that you're grateful for them, that usually opens the door to communication and ultimately collaboration with that part in an intentional way. Um, I tell people, you need to learn to work with your parts, respect your parts, appreciate your parts. At times, you'll need to nurture your parts. Um, the worst thing that a person that's dissociated can do is be dissociated and continue to live life like they're not dissociated at all and only uh, deal with alters or parts um, when they're in a, a coaching session. Uh, that 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 is not ideal. Uh, doing and taking personal responsibility over your healing journey um, navigating as much as you can with Jesus Christ in personal prayer times and um, reflective times, you know, getting into your own system, doing your journaling, stuff like that. That that is where you unlock true acceleration in the healing journey. Uh, one of the things that I have found that helps parts to work together includes internal agreements, even uh, contracts where a person may, you know, and a contract can be a literal piece of paper, but okay, I'll, I'll do an internal agreement. An internal agreement may look like, okay, there's a tent of meeting on the inside. A person, the presenter calls a meeting in the tent of meeting and brings in the five most important parts that uh, work with them in their life. And they say, okay, this is a new situation. This is what we're facing in life. This is the new season. And so now we're going to have a group discussion on how to navigate this the most effective way and to decide who does what and literally engage in a bit of division of labor. That That is a way to make an internal agreement, you know, it literally hold a meeting, take votes at times on how certain things will be dealt with, and then stick to it. Um, that helps a person to engage in teamwork with their parts. Um, a contract would look a little different. You can get a piece of paper and you can write, this, this contract is our agreement to abide by the following rules. Um, at 9 p.m., you know, this part comes out because this is the part that's really good at praying and then going to sleep. Um, this part will not come out after 9 p.m. because this part just wants to, um, you know, do drugs or some really bad thing. Um, you know, uh, and, and, and so if we make a contract and we say, all right, I, well, I have a part named Sue and Sue wants to do drugs. And I, I, I have a part named Tom and Tom is really good at praying and then going to bed. Sue, I'm sorry. Your your desires are not in the best interest of everyone in this vessel, Tom. Your job is to come out at nine p.m. and pray for the us, and then and then put the body to sleep. And you know, so when you sign the contract, everyone signs the contract and agrees that Tom is going to be out at nine p.m. That is going to facilitate. Tom, that part of the person coming out at 9 p.m. to pray and then put the body to sleep, Sue isn't going to get an opportunity to do self-destructive behavior at night. And, and, and see, for a lot of people, you know, different times of the day, they have different parts popping up that are doing self-destructive behavior. And they're trying to figure out, how do I stop this from happening? How do I stop my bad behavior that occurs as, as you know, 
it gets later at night because you know a person may have horrible night terrors oftentimes they forget to pray they are very afraid of you know the nighttime and and so in response to that fear they have a part that comes up and it has a coping mechanism for that fear which is unhealthy drugs um that's where this example can can play out in real life and, and yet they're christian because their presenter is christian but they are you know shattered broken they have dissociation going on and um what what i'm going to do when i get in there is help that person to navigate life in the most effective way possible and and, and until that part that wants to do drugs in response to stimuli that it is late at night and we're terrified of that um until that part's ready to integrate and until the presenter's ready for that part to integrate, I simply don't want that part to come up and do bad things. I want to create a solution. And so the contract can work. You can literally write down an agreement and have different parts on the inside sign the agreement and agree to abide by it. Teamwork. All right. So hopefully that helps many of you out there. And, and what I want this to, to also be, because, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast. You aren't necessarily navigating satanic ritual abuse or DID, but I'll tell you what, this uh, conversation fascinates you and you may know people in your life. Then you listen to this podcast for ideas, for concepts, how to better be. Jesus Christ, that person, or for those individuals in your life. This is for you, you know, even if you're not dissociated. It helps to know these nuggets of wisdom because a lot of well-meaning Christians, as they begin to meet people, particularly SRA individuals or individuals that have DID and have been through heavy degrees of trauma, they make mistakes because they they haven't had the opportunity to hear that there's a better way you know uh we we all go through a a growth curve um when it comes to the application of wisdom to different circumstances situations and so this was one of mine you know i had to learn that teamwork was the way to go it's actually a more effective approach to helping a person along a healing journey than shotgunning integration that that idea that you should shotgun integration is absolutely flawed to the core okay i'm going to now talk about triggers i i think that this is a very very necessary conversation to have uh, what is a trigger? Okay, so so let's talk about it in a general sense. Um, if you have a, we'll just call it a water gun, and you pull the trigger on the water gun, say the super soaker, what happens? Well, it creates a response. The, the trigger engages a response. And when you pull the trigger on the super soaker, the response is water comes out the nozzle and soaks someone in a super way because it's a super soaker. So they're now super soaked. And um, it is happening in response to a trigger. Well, uh, in in a normal person's life, uh, you may be married and you may be married to somebody that loves to leave their socks on the floor. How dare you? How dare you, after 15 years of marriage, still leave your socks on the floor? We've had this conversation 5,000 times. You know I get mad when you leave your socks on the floor, yet you continue to leave your socks on the floor. Therefore, you must simply want me to be mad. Why are you leaving your socks? You know, and so people go through this thing, right? And... um. I mean, socks on the floor is a, 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 you know, example of any kind of thing that just frustrates you to no end. And um, it is a trigger because when the socks go on the floor and you, as the spouse that has communicated 5,000 times, you do not like the socks to be on the floor. Uh, Once they go on the floor and you find them, that that is going to engage a response, just like pulling that little lever on the super soaker engages a response. But instead of the lever on the super soaker engaging a response, the socks on the floor poke you and press one of your buttons. And when your button gets pressed, some kind of vial may come out of you 
that's very mean and aggressive and it's and it's it's actually directly linked it, 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 there there is going there's simply going to be a certain kind of response that finding those socks on the floor is going to get out of you that does not require any dissociation at all it's simply a trigger it's it, a trigger is anything that kind of you know it, it's going to engage a response of some sort it's a stimuli that engages a response and so you know every person walking the planet has triggers i have triggers uh and you have triggers and uh but for a person that is dissociated triggers take on a uh different level of severity because um you know you may be in a really good mood uh go, going into you know a room in your house but those socks on the floor may put you in a very bad mood for a person that's dissociated a trigger does more than just change their mood a, a, a trigger can be the reason why they switch personalities so it's it's just more severe. A trigger can engage body memories, um, ab reactions of different forms. Triggers can cause the demonic infestations that are dwelling within the dissociated individual because maybe they've been through satanic rituals that have absolutely infested them with demons. Certain triggers can pull those various groups of demons right to the surface. And um, so the, the, the evil people and powers of darkness that are behind a lot of the satanic abuse, dissociation, whatever, they are very intentional about the triggers that they um, train a person to respond to. Uh, you know, the same thing with the super soaker, right? You may be very, very dry. But once that trigger is pulled and the water comes out of the super nozzle, you will be super soaked. You, you, you can go from one situation to another situation very fast after a trigger is pulled. So well, triggers. Um, for people that are survivors, triggers uh, happen. And um, one of the things that Hollywood is really good about is putting certain types of triggers in their their movies which is why uh, a person that's a survivor may have a very very challenging time sitting down to just watch primetime television or movies um especially blockbusters you know um triggers uh, can 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 be certain uh, situations where a person feels like there's no way out they feel trapped that trapped feeling is a trigger um, truly, I have come to a certain number of conclusions about survivors and triggers, and I'm going to go through those right now. Um, and my first conclusion is that triggers can't necessarily be avoided for a survivor. Uh, the idea that a person can protect a survivor from any and all triggers is ludicrous. It's it's absolutely impossible. Um, and and for someone like us, Bride Ministries, who are, you know we are working with a lot of survivors, and we're bringing a lot of survivors into fellowship and community, um, it is absolutely impossible to do anything and expect that no one is going to get triggered. Um, because literally, you could say, well, let's just sit in a room and stare at a wall and say nothing. That can't possibly trigger anybody. Yeah, you know, there's somebody that's going to get triggered by the idea of sitting in a room and not being able to say anything. Like there, So because of all the different types of trauma that have been performed on people, there's always going to be someone getting triggered for something. And one of the things that we've learned about community is that it's not about avoiding triggers and get, making some kind of thing happen so nobody gets triggered because it's impossible. Um, community is all about managing triggers and so that's that's the the wisdom there are ways to manage triggers and there are ways that you don't manage triggers and um so so for a survivor triggers can't necessarily be avoided but two my second point um 
anything, and this is what people on the outside need to understand, anything can potentially be a trigger, a situation, a color, a series of numbers, a movie, um, a, a, a particular restaurant. You know, depending on that person's trauma experiences, what they've been through, where they're coming from, anything can potentially be a trigger. And, and the, the thing is, because dissociation locks down and represses memories, that person won't even be able to give you a rundown of everything that is a trigger to them or will ever be a trigger to them. Now, some survivors can say, these are the things that have historically triggered me. Great, you know, so it's good to know that. But navigating life with a survivor, you're not going to get to that point until that person has been fully healed of knowing every trigger that they have. And sometimes when you're journeying life with a survivor, you're going to journey... (laughs) what it looks like for them to run into a trigger they didn't know that they had. So what we've learned is that life is effective, more effectively lived when people are effectively navigating their triggers. Life is more effectively lived when people are able to effectively navigate their triggers. Um... You know, and, and and what are some other triggers that uh, definitely do set people off? I'll tell you right now. Um, scripture, literally the Bible, which is one of the reasons why I say it's impossible to not trigger people. Because like at Bride Ministries, what do we teach the Bible? We teach Jesus Christ. Um, the name Jesus Christ can be a trigger um, because... Uh, people that have been programmed in various cults have undergone a lot of what we call religious programming. They've had things like fake Jesuses, people dressed in a Jesus costume, come and beat them and rape them. That's very common. We have fake father, fake son, fake Holy Spirit. Um, There are torture sessions where they will pull out a Bible, read the scriptures, and then torture people along with reading the scriptures out loud or making them read the scriptures out loud while they're being tortured. Like this stuff happens to people and so that becomes a trigger later in life or immediately following that trauma where whenever that stimuli is presented there is a subconscious tie-in to the trauma they experience and they begin to act some kind of way so how do you effectively navigate triggers uh I have several suggestions on this subject. Um, One, being self-aware is one of the biggest keys, okay? What does self-awareness mean? Self-awareness means stop dissociating from the fact that you are a dissociated individual. Once you realize that you have DID, just accept it. (laughs) Stop pretending like it's not true and acting like, you know... you are going to be able to navigate life just like everyone else on your block. It's just that this never works out for anybody. The sooner you can come to a place of self-awareness, the sooner you can begin to initiate lifestyle techniques that will make your life better, survivor. So stop dissociating from the fact that you are dissociated and start being intentional about okay, I am dissociated, therefore, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and Jesus wants the best for my life, then he has a healing journey for me. And I'm going to sign up, I'm going to get on my healing journey, and I'm going to take it at the pace that God um, takes me on. And, you know, once you are self-aware, then you are able to begin to discern things. Like, wow, I'm watching this movie and my panic is literally rising through the roof. Now, in other circumstances, say when the survivor was dissociating from the fact that they are dissociated, their panic would be rising while they're watching a movie and they say, oh, it's weird that my panic is rising. Hmm, must have been something I ate. So I'm going to sit through this entire film that's triggering the mess out of me and then suffer all the consequences on the back end because I'm going to pretend like what's happening isn't really happening. (laughs) Bad idea. Good idea. I'm watching a movie. My panic is rising and I'm going into a state of terror. 
let me turn it off or just leave the room, walk out of the movie theater. I'm not going to stay and let this happen to me. Leaving the situation is one of the most powerful ways of navigating a trigger. Now, it's not always possible to leave a situation, but um, when it is, this is the go-to. And I tell people, look, if you as a survivor are in one of our conferences or in one of our live training things, whatever, because we, we do these classes and conferences regularly and and some of the material that we talk about will trigger people because we talk about things like during our advanced spiritual warfare talking about draconians and reptilians and stuff well when people have had real experiences with this kind of thing these kinds of topics can be very triggering i tell them if you begin to go into a state of panic or terror you know different kinds of things begin to stir you don't think you can hold it together just Step away from the computer. Step away from the conference. Step away. Don't don't participate in that part. It's not worth it. You know, you can come back later maybe when the parts that are getting triggered are not present and listen or something like that. Um, maybe it's just not for you right now. You need some healing in that area that's intentional and directed and um, orchestrated by a person that you know, knows how to coach people with SRA and DID and And once you get deliverance, then you can listen to the rest of the information. But just leave the situation. Um, Number two, when a trigger happens, don't just let it be a trigger in the moment that you stepped away from and then, you know, go about life like it never happened. Once you are triggered, self-awareness says, I need to ask, why did this trigger me? What is it about seeing, you know, a five-year-old hold a fuzzy bunny that made me so upset and angry? Don't think that a trigger or, or beginning to get triggered is anything less than an opportunity to secure some healing in your life. You know, triggers are unavoidable. What I have found is that God actually works through triggers. God will let a person get triggered or step into a situation where they have to step out of it because they are being triggered so that they ask the right question. And the right question is, why is this triggering me? Because when you ask God, why is this triggering me? God is going to say, let me tell you and begin to open up the things that you need to heal from. He'll open up the memories. He'll introduce you to the parts that are triggered by that thing. And you'll begin to, uh, you know, understand why. And in that, there is, there is healing, there is progress, there is forward motion. And here's the truth, right? When you explore a trigger, say with Jesus and a coach or someone that you're working with, you know, I walked into the situation, this happened, and I was triggered went into total panic, woke up in a fetal position in the closet. Okay, let's begin to backtrack and explore why that's the case. Go through it, meet the part, find the trauma, get the memory back, um, apply the healing power of Jesus Christ to all of it, and get deliverance and get some healing. Guess what happens as a result of that? The trigger is no longer a trigger. That's what happens. The trigger is no longer a trigger. So let's say you walk into a situation and you see a five-year-old petting a fuzzy bunny and you get really mad and upset. Next thing you know, you're yelling at someone, you wake up, you're in a closet in a fetal position. Okay, so it happened. You know, um, (laughs) forgive yourself, you know, uh, don't go into condemnation. It happened. God's good. He'll forgive you of anything that you confess. So we got that covered. Now we begin to ask the question, why did seeing that little child petting that fuzzy bunny um, make me so upset? And, and begin to get memories back. Oh, well, because once upon a time, you were the five-year-old child that was given a bunny. But then they sacrificed that bunny in a ritual and made you do it. Right. Oh, whoa. So now you get the memory back. Now you know why it makes you so upset to see another child holding a five-year-old bunny that reminds you of you when you were that age. But you don't know that you were that age with the bunny. Like before you begin to get the memories back, there's no awareness of that at all. 
that trigger has just opened up the door to asking the right question, which led to the healing. That means the next time you see a five-year-old petting a white bunny, all of that is already resolved. It's under the blood of Jesus. It's healed. And you will not have the same response to the five-year-old petting the bunny. So not only are triggers unavoidable for a survivor, you know, that you, you simply will get triggered as you navigate life. Um, if you are able to effectively navigate life when a trigger happens, both during and after the trigger moment, you are going to find that you are getting healing and reducing the number of triggers in your life. This is a key. This is a key. So on the subject of triggers, you know, my, my, my position is I, I'm not afraid of triggers. I don't think that triggers are necessarily a bad thing. They're not always ideal. Um, they don't always feel good. But if we navigate them properly, I'll tell you what. Um, they can uh, lead to great breakthroughs in our lives. Now, the last thing I want to talk about for a few minutes, and then we're going to close out this program, has to do with navigating life around Christians that don't understand. You know, for many survivors, as they begin to st- step into the reality that, yeah, you know, I was abducted by greys, and you know, I've been in underground bases, and I have uh, been on craft that bend time and space to travel across the multiverse. And, um, you know, I have several clones of me that they pull me out of my body and put me into so I can go through torture sessions. Nobody understands me. And, you know, that, that, that is something that people are waking up to. It's like, you know, yeah, you're beginning to get the truth about your story and your life. And when the truth comes, you know it's truth because you feel it, you sense it, it's confirmed to you by Holy Spirit. It's like, yeah, this is really happening. How do we navigate life around Christians that don't understand? And I, and I get this question a lot. I do. I get this question a lot, you know, because people will come to me and say, Daniel, you're the only one that understands. And I'm like, well, no, I'm actually not the only one that understands. There's a lot of other people that, you know, I know that would understand you if you talk to them, but I get it, you know, because, well, sometimes, you know, people just communicate from that place of frustration. And so they're talking to me and say, well, you're the only one that understands whatever. I don't know how to get the Christians around me to understand. Can you talk to my pastor and make him understand? Probably not, unless he calls me and genuinely wants to ask me some questions. I, I, I don't see you know, how I can do that. Um, But I I do have some tips for navigating life around believers that don't understand. And these are my tips. Okay, one, it is important for the survivor to know what is godly expectation of them and what is false expectation of them. Uh. Believers that do not understand association, satanic ritual abuse, uh, government-sponsored mind control programming, and what it's like for an individual to try to overcome from this posture, um, they have a tendency to put false expectation on people. False expectation means, okay, well, we're going to pray for you the way we pray for, you know, Betty over there. And you're going to be fine just like Betty was fine when we prayed for Betty. Otherwise, something's wrong with you. Okay, so that's like a false expectation because the, you know, wet noodle prayer that may have worked for Betty isn't necessarily going to get to the root of the issues that someone that's overcoming satanic ritual abuse and who is married to Satan himself when they were five is going to have. It's just not the same. (laughs) And um, one of the things that, uh, you know, I I, I want people to understand is if you are a survivor and you're trying to navigate life around Christians that just absolutely have no grid for, you know, what you've been through and, and, and who you are. Just don't give into false expectation. They, they may put false expectations on you, but what happens with false expectation is people go into shame, guilt, and condemnation when they do not meet up with false expectations. You can let that go. They may have false expectations, but you, when you understand that those expectations are actually false and not congruent with reality or congruent with the expectations that Jesus actually does have of you, you don't have to go through the shame, guilt, and condemnation associated with it. You can just kind of let it roll off your back and forgive and, and just let it go and say, you know, 
uh, I, I, I appreciate that you think that what you're doing should work, but it, it, it's, it's just not quite working. And I'm not going to hold myself necessarily to your ideal. And, and, and that's a huge release. That, that's a huge release. You know, when, when people put false expectations out there, it's the job of the survivor to simply not buy in and then go into shame, guilt, and condemnation as a result. Um, so you can let false expectations go. That's one of the ways to navigate this thing. You just don't buy into the false expectation. Uh, two, um, you know, what, what, one of the real challenges that people have is they, they want a community where they can be transparent. But when you are surrounded by people that do not understand you, it can be very hard to be transparent. Um, one of the things that I suggest on this is, you know, uh, don't impose transparency on people that refuse to receive. You can have healthy boundaries on your transparency within a fellowship of people that don't understand where you're coming from. That's actually okay. I would rather see a person in fellowship with believers that can pray for them and encourage them at the level they're at than to see someone engage in total isolation because they're upset that they can't be fully transparent with their community. And yeah, this does require some maturity. But, you know, I'm not completely transparent about everything I know around every believer I get around, guys. Um, there are many Christians that I spend time around or have spent time around. You know, they may not even know that I do a podcast or that I, certain, I know they don't listen to my podcast. And I'm not going to sit there in conversation and try to convince every pastor, every leader, every Christian that I meet of everything that they don't know that I know because I work with survivors and we're exposing the depths of darkness. You know, I can enjoy fellowship with another human being, another child of God, another brother or sister in Christ at the place where that person is at. I can receive from them. They can receive from me. I don't necessarily need to drag them into the trenches of pure transparency on what it's like for me to deal with the stuff that I deal with. That's not the conversation that I need everybody in my circles to be able to have with me, and neither is it the conversation that everyone in your circles needs to be able to have with you. You know, navigating life around Christians that don't understand. Sometimes survivors engage in false expectation. You are expecting something of people, and they don't have the capacity to give it to you or the desire. Stop. You know, we need to just let go of false expectation across the board. We need to let go of the false expectation they're pumping in towards us if we're the survivor. And we need to let go of the false expectations we have towards others as we're awakening to the fact that we're a survivor. Not everybody in your life is designed to be that person where you can have full transparency. Plain and simple. So don't expect that. Enjoy people for who they are and where they're at. Learn how to have relationships with people um, that don't always focus on your needs, survivor. Um, it's, you know, one of the things that I have noticed with survivors is once a person begins a journey as a survivor, it becomes all about them. Everything is about their problem, their issue, their most recent memory, their hurdle, them, 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 selfishness, 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 me, 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 me. Um, and you know, I love survivors and it's okay to have needs and to have the desire to communicate on the things that you're learning and coming into. And, and, and it's very stressful to journey uh, the life of a survivor that's beginning to get memories back. And I understand all of that. But um, when you navigate life around people that don't understand, you do have to maintain a certain modicum of self-awareness and say, you know, I cannot expect everyone to be a uh, dumping ground for everything I'm going through and expect them to fully understand me where I'm at. You know, God will leave people in your life to rub you a little raw so that you can mature. <laughs> okay. Um, navigating life around Christians that don't understand. Let go of the false expectation. Appreciate the community for what they're able to offer you and offer something to the community, you know, um, don't engage in self-imposed ostracism. 
because of frustration. As much as possible, I I really do not like to see survivors go into the place of isolation because that's where the enemy just absolutely trashes them. Uh, and and, and the, 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 oh, the brutalization that happens in the place of isolation is severe. So um, I do recommend that when a person has identified that their group or body of believers or fellowship is part of a cult or is the cult or contains the cult that they are being programmed with or in or were formerly programmed in to leave immediately. Okay. Um, then that's something that survivors wake up to is that they're in a church and they think, you know, well, this is where it is, whatever. They begin to get some memories and they realize, oh, like, you know, 50% of my church is involved in this. Leave the church. Just leave. Turn your back. Don't look back because that is, um, that, that, that's a big problem. You know, um, and, and, you know, in natural, the bunch of presenters that are part of the cult may totally look at you sideways when you begin to try to communicate on your memories, whatever. But if that group is filled with people that are actually part of the cult, you just got to get out. With that said, I'm done for today. Guys, uh, we're talking about coaching for coping with SRA and DID. Today, we have covered the subjects of uh, teamwork. We've talked about triggers and we have talked about navigating life around quote unquote Christians or believers that don't understand. God bless you. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.